0: welcome to you wherever you're at whomever you're with we are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend before we jump into our new teaching series do want to mention this resource called the you version of the bible absolutely free app all kinds of resources and if you have it on your phone or device and look under events arlington fm church there you will find a complete set of notes for this message likewise when you're in your favorite podcast player if you'd search for Arlington FM Church, there you will find all of our teaching content. Well, I want to introduce to you a brand new mini-series, and we're calling it The Happiness Project. And you know, uh, finding real happiness can be kind of a moving target. It's uh, almost as if uh, people have observed that uh, the achievement of goals is often a lot less satisfying than the pursuit of them. In other words, when we get what we thought we were after, we find out it wasn't what we were really looking for. You know, probably the the wealthiest man, most powerful, uh, that ever uh, lived on the face of the earth, a guy named King Solomon, he had every prerogative known to man. He had wealth and power and influence, and he used it all, uh, in his quest to find happiness and meaning, and what was it that gave life that you know that that missing uh, commodity? And uh, he used his wealth to uh, build great estates, uh, built the finest houses, uh, planted vineyards, uh, imported the best animals. He had everything that his heart desired. He had wine and women and uh, influence, and uh, yet at the end of his quest. He wrote these rather sad and woeful words. He said, when I surveyed all that my hands had done, what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. It was a chasing after the wind. (laughs) You know, you might read that and think, well, if if he had everything and ended up in that place, uh, who in the world can achieve uh, this elusive thing called happiness? And uh, you know, it begs the question, does God even care Uh, or want people to be happy and and maybe to make it more personal. Does God care that you are happy? Is is that something that's even on the radar uh, of God's heart and interest? Well, I I have to go to the words of Jesus who uh, made this this famous proclamation. In fact, it's my favorite verse verse in the whole Bible. John 10.10, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life to the full that there wouldn't be anything lacking or missing that you would truly have this quality called happiness in fact he says a little bit later on in john 15 11, these things i have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full and complete you know i love uh, this statement made by peter kind of the uh exemplary disciple Few decades after Christ walked this earth, died, rose again from the dead, uh, Peter would write these words Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And so uh, here's the question in this series How do we get on that pathway of glorious and inexpressible joy? How do we find those things? that Solomon, for all of his quest, has still ended up missing that true quality that we call happiness. And, uh, you know, uh, one of Paul's letters, the Apostle Paul, uh, written to his friends uh, in an area called Philippi, is all about uh, joy and fulfillment and uh, really this essential uh, quality called happiness. In fact, uh, Paul uses the word joy uh, over 16 times in his letter to his friends in Philippi. And uh, Paul really touches on uh, some of the things that lend themselves, that lead us towards this fullness of joy that Jesus talked about, that he came to offer to everyone. And we're going to jump right in to Paul's letter. In fact, we're going to read the opening portion of it so we can get the gist of where he's going uh, in his thinking. So uh, let's snoop in on Paul's letter His mail to his friends, uh, Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all of my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. Whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the good news, the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God himself can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And he goes on, and this is my prayer for you, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that. You may be able to discern what is best, may be pure, blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, a bit of explanation. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. A little side note here Paul is actually penning this letter from prison. He's been arrested for testifying about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, here he says, I want you to know that my imprisonment has actually served to further advance the gospel. Uh, As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and they dare All the more to proclaim the good news uh, of Christ without fear. You know, uh, the book of Proverbs says that wisdom calls out from the streets, from the marketplace. In other words, if we'll observe, and ponder, lend our thoughts uh, to what we see happening around us, we can begin uh, to reach some good conclusions. Well, uh, here's how that relates to our happiness project series is that uh, scientists, sociologists, psychologists, therapists, and theologians all agree when it comes uh, to these observations about what it is that truly makes people happy. We're going to look at four of those observations that uh, not only uh, people in our uh, helping professions today in the sciences, uh, but uh, the Apostle Paul himself, as he expresses In many ways, uh, through this letter on joy to his friends, uh, certain things lend themselves to becoming truly happy. Here's the first one. Happy people have a purpose or a mission to live for that is bigger than themselves. Happy people, they have a purpose, they have a mission in life that is greater than themselves. And uh, Paul says, I pray with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel. Uh, he refers to all of his friends as joining with him in this great purpose and mission in the gospel. You know, the idea of partnering uh, in the making the good news known to others is really a huge idea in the New Testament. And uh, here's kind of the sequence of it. Uh, God loves people. And uh, through the person and the work, the sacrifice, the resurrection, the forgiveness of Jesus, he brings people into his, best, uh, his, his blessing, into his goodness. In fact, in the letter to the Ephesians, Paul would say, in Christ, we have been blessed with every blessing in the heavenly realms. And uh, so the, the communication of the good news first comes to us and then happens through us to others. And when Paul talks about partnering with him and furthering the gospel, what he's really saying is that we experience all of God's goodness, and then we have this great purpose and mission of revealing God's goodness, his favor, his forgiveness, his purpose, his plan. We reveal that to others in our own unique, God-empowered way. You know, I I got to experience this uh, as a brand-new follower of Christ I was 20 years old. I had my dream job. I was living out my dream. I was a door-to-door salesman <laughs> for cable TV subscriptions. And uh, I remember happily walking along my way, going door, house to house. And I came to one home where the woman answered, and uh, she said, I have no interest whatsoever in cable TV. In fact, I'm going through a divorce. And I remember I uh, just kind of felt for her her pain at the moment that she expressed that. And I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I'll say a prayer for you. And I can't really recall exactly what transpired in terms of what we actually said to one another. Uh, But this woman began to cry as I talked to her about God's love for her. Uh, She filled with uh, her eyes filled with uh, tears of joy And she said, I know I need to get back to God. I know that he does care about my life. And in that moment, I felt as though I had a mission. I had a purpose that was much greater than myself. I was being used by God to impart his presence, his care, his goodness to another human being. And I was hooked. I realized, you know, that's really the essence of life. I experience the goodness of God, and I reveal that, I I, uh, transfer that, I deliver that to others. Uh, Jesus came with that same purpose in mind. In fact, uh, in this wonderful scene, uh, he uh, speaks to a woman at the well. Uh, She's obviously uh, been broken, been hurt by life. She's been through five marriages, and uh, he says this uh, to his disciples who didn't understand why he spent time with this hurting woman. He said, look, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Uh, That thing that sustains me, that thing I delight in, that I enjoy thoroughly, is being used by God to accomplish his work, delivering his good news to people. And uh, well, here's the second truth. Uh, Happy people not only have a purpose and a mission in life that is greater than themselves, But the second thing that uh, psychologists, sociologists, theologians all agree on is that happy people have a generally optimistic and positive view of their personal narrative. In other words, they like the storyline of their lives. It's kind of like this, you know, King David, who had a really up and down uh, journey through this life. In fact, uh, he was a man after God's own heart. And yet he committed adul- adultery, set up the murder of, uh, of a man who uh, he really had stolen his wife and uh, had uh, terrible, broken relationships with his own children. But one thing about David, he kept coming back to God, and he would write these words, uh, Psalm 23, "Surely God, your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house." of the Lord forever. In Psalm 16, David writes, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. What's he saying? Uh, In spite of all the ups and downs, uh, David had a positive view of the narrative of the storyline of his life. And maybe you're thinking right now, well, my life it is not very joy-producing right now. It's more about the, the difficulties than it is about the sense of destiny. Well, I would say to you, as Paul writes to his friends in Philippi, uh, he's suffering, he's going through it, he's in a dark time in his life, and certainly he can relate uh, to people that aren't feeling like their storyline is very positive, positive. and yet, in the middle of that, Uh, Paul had the ability uh, to see God at work, furthering his purpose in him and through him. And he would write these words, I eagerly expect and I hope that I will in no way be ashamed by what I'm going through, but I will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be lifted up, exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You know, uh, so much of being able to see our lives with all its ups and downs uh, in a positive way, uh, in an optimistic way, it really comes down to us. It's how we choose to interpret and to frame the experiences that life brings our way. Uh, I love some of the wisdom. A guy named uh, Victor Frankl. he... Uh, he survived a Nazi prison camp, a death camp, and he wrote a, a very famous book called Man's Search for Meaning. And his main thought is this one thing uh, that can never be removed from our individual response to life. He says, we alone ascribe a particular meaning to life's events, and each of us has the ability to choose to see them as opportunities to know and to glorify God. That's a huge statement. You know, uh, I don't know what your challenges are, your difficulties are. They may seem overwhelming. They may be overwhelming, but still in the middle of those, uh, God gives you the prerogative, the ability uh, to see those as things that he is working in, furthering his purpose in you and through you. Well, happy people, apparently learned that along the way, that they get to write their own story. They get to incorporate and integrate all of life's experiences into the good thing that God is doing in them. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he says, I have confidence that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. This is not going to end in disaster. As dark as it seems, you can look beyond that and see the promise of God that he is causing all things to work together for good, and he's committed to seeing that through to completion. Well, uh, here's a third observation that the, uh, the scientists, the sociologists, the psychologists, and the theologians, and the Apostle Paul would agree on, is that happy people see their sufferings as purposeful, And meaningful. Uh, What a profound ability uh, to be able to see even the dark, the difficult times uh, as purposeful and meaningful. In fact, Paul writes these words Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually, actually served to further, to advance the good news. He says, As a result, it's become clear uh, among my captors the most powerful empire on the earth, and uh, he's at the epicenter of it in the household of Caesar. And uh, even in that place, it's become clear that Paul's uh, sufferings are serving to advance the cause and the purpose of God. And for that reason, Paul says, I will continue to rejoice, uh, for I know that through your prayers, and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ that what has happened to me is going to turn out for my good. You know, that's a, that's a huge theme in Paul's letter to his friends in Philippi. This idea that the difficult times, the challenges, the setbacks, they don't need to be seen in an entirely negative light, hard as they may be to endure, that God is faithful and he's working in them and through them, and we can rejoice even in the midst of them. Uh, You know, I was uh, taken, my wife and I were taken by this uh, accident that happened to a very famous actor named Jeremy Renner. Uh, He's uh, the Hawkeye uh, fellow in uh, the Avenger series, and uh, in January, uh, Jeremy had an incredible accident. Uh, He was in this snowcat, And uh, he noticed that his nephew had kind of disappeared from his peripheral vision. And as he began to back up, he was uh, concerned that maybe uh, he would be in the way of this tractor moving. And so he opened the door and and, uh, long story short, he fell out, was caught in those tractor blades you see. And his body was mangled as this machine uh, rolled over him. He ended up in the hospital with severe life-threatening injuries Uh, But uh, as you can see in that bottom picture on the right there, he's surrounded uh, by his caregivers, by family, by friends. And uh, as you uh, hear his story, the thing that comes out of it is his gratitude that in spite of this devastating accident, uh, he was able to find great joy in the way that uh, family and friends uh, came to his aid, the love they experienced, the closeness that they could have never engineered had they not gone through this ordeal together. In fact, the Apostle Paul would write one of his other letters, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces good things. Perseverance. Perseverance produces character in us and character produces hope. And the hope that we have does not put us to shame or disappoint us because God's love Gives us assurance; it's been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So happy people, according to a lot of different uh, folks, our folk uh, people who uh, discover purpose greater than themselves, Uh, they've uh, discovered that uh, they can view their lives from an optimistic and a positive narrative. They've discovered there's purpose and meaning in their hardships and their sufferings. And finally, this fourth great observation. Happy people see themselves as lifelong learners. In other words, uh, who they are is not static. It's not fixed. It's not set in concrete. They know they're in a constant state of evolving and becoming what God has designed and destined them to be. Well, according to Paul's uh, words to his friends, uh, part of that design is we come better and better at loving others. Here's what he writes. He says, my prayer is that your love would abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may have the ability to decide or discern what is best so that you may become pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of right living that comes through Jesus to the praise of God. You know, that's a, that's a wonderful prayer and a wonderful thing to pray for yourself and for others. You know, someone observed in the Harvard Happiness Research Project, it was the longest-running study on what really satisfies people, kind of takes them out of that realm where King Solomon said it's all vanity. But one of the things they observed on what makes people happy is, as happy people get older, they tended to focus more on what's important, and they didn't sweat the small stuff to the degree they did when they were younger, well, according to the Apostle Paul, uh, that uh, the thing that really matters most is that we get good at loving people. We learn how to do that more and more. Well, uh, in summary, uh, just to revisit uh, these four aspects of the road, the pathway to happiness, is uh, having a purpose that's bigger than myself, uh, having an optimistic view of my narrative, my storyline, finding meaning in my difficulties, my challenges, my suffering, and becoming a lifelong learner. And maybe as you see those, you're thinking, you know, that really doesn't describe my life. Well, uh, as we end at this opening message, I would say it can, it absolutely can describe your life. In fact, the number one reason that Jesus came to this earth was to redeem us, which is really a a biblical way of saying he came to help us rewrite our story, that whatever it's been up until the point when we encounter him, it can become a good and a positive narrative. We can find deep meaning in all of our hardships. We can join him in the great purpose and mission that he came to accomplish. In fact, Jesus uh, says these words about his own approach to life. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Maybe that's you today. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Maybe that's you today. And recovery of sight to those who don't see well, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of God's favor. Would you join me in a prayer? Uh, Father, thank you that the testimony we have of your word is that you do care about our well-being In fact, uh, the word bless shows up over 250 times in the Bible and uh, often on the lips of Jesus as he opened his great sermon on the mount. Blessed are those. And uh, he was really showing us the pathway to happiness. I pray as we hear these words, God, that uh, something of your truth would invade our hearts. Whatever pathway we're on, Lord, uh, we'd uh, invite you to be right at the center of it We thank you, Lord, that really uh, all of these great truths that are observed in every realm of life, they're all found in you. Uh, You have come in order that we might have life and have it abundantly. We open up to you and your influence. Give us your wisdom. Guide and direct our steps. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.